Hello, and welcome to Eastgate Community Church. We are so glad you've joined us to listen to this message from our weekend encounter. We pray you are encouraged by what you are about to hear. In Proverbs 5 right there, because summer is the main season of harvesting. And, uh, and sometimes the, the natural reflects the spiritual. And I know for me, this is one of those times, and it, I think it probably is for the majority of us. And um, so just a little bit of farming uh, stuff or you know, even planting and growing kind of stuff. Where So winter is usually the time where you, you prune things back, you trim things back. Like even with your lawn, you know, you guys out there, you're supposed to cut it real short in the winter um, in preparation for the spring and all the new growth. So, I mean, I know for me and a few others that I'm aware of kind of where you were in 2016, like that was a tough year, a lot of pruning a lot of preparing and things like that. And then in the spring, you get that new kind of growth. And even with the Revive Texas that was just going on, like a lot of seeds of the gospel, a lot of seeds of prayer and intercession here have been planted and been sown out. And summer is the time where the sun is shining the most. You've got the most growth. Plants are at their maximum potential, most of them. And that's when you harvest. So I really just encourage you just to be engaging with the Lord, um, just like, you know, Tom was talking about and during worship too, like so far this year, what has God been like putting his finger on? Like what's that painful area of growth that you know he, you know, is going after for you that he really wants you just to die to yourself, to take up your cross and really embrace like the season of growth that he has for you because we, you know, we hinder all the produce that the Lord wants to reap in us when we don't embrace that process and let him father you, let him be the vine dresser and that kind of thing. So I just encourage you, it's, it's summertime. It's time for me to be reaping these things that God has been doing and stirring up and tearing down through the first part of the year in the spring. So just, you know, engage with the Holy Spirit, ask him what that is so that you can really partner with it and that the Lord can get the full harvest, you know, from us and from our lives. So let's do that. Uh, We've been um, just really going after, uh, as a community, who who we are, who the Lord is, and then who we are uh, in Him. And um, and so this evening we're gonna we're gonna do uh, that. And that's what's been so awesome uh, because of this, because we're saying yes to that. It's like making the. It's almost like increasing the amount of fruit we we're getting out of this time than like any other time I think that I've ever kind of gone through, you know? And so it's just, it's, it's really good. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Thankful for what the Lord's doing. Um, and so this evening, I just wanted to share a real quick on, on something that's tied together. I thought it was going to be one thing and it ended up being another thing, but it's just basically continue on with who, who we are, who, who the Lord is, who Jesus is, and then who we are in that. And so who, who are you, in the repentance, and so we're gonna we're gonna do that deal. And it was cool because uh, we didn't even talked about it. But I saw Lily. I didn't get to watch it yet, but she put a whole deal. She, they were talking about repentance, so I'm sure it's the same. I'm sure we're preaching is actually the same thing. So it's gonna be awesome. Uh, I love when 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 you see that like out of nowhere because we hadn't talked about that at all. And, uh, and I looked on there. I was like, man, that's amazing. That's so good. Um, and so this is this is just good stuff. It's a good place that we're in. And there is good news right now. It's like, I, I don't know, it's hitting me in a different time. The Lord's doing stuff, but it's like, God likes us. 
and he loves us and he's he's got so much uh, for us so much more than we had ever understood and it's it's changing everything and it's not like it just happened he's not just now in a uh a happy with us and in and has incredible things in store with us but it's just like sinking in that he loves us and i know that you guys know that um but we're gonna go from knowing it to knowing it and that's what's happening and it's so good i'd like to share real quick with you and so here's the deal tonight uh i want to read out of a translation that none of you have and so uh i'll tell you where it's at and you can go look at it but it's really gonna mess you up trying to read along in in the in your translation because uh, this is a paraphrase and so uh, we're gonna be in romans this evening and i just want to share with us and continue to build on the foundation of who we are. So you can look it up, but really, like I'm asking you to listen to me because if you try to follow it, it's just not going to work. This is the Mirror translation, M-I-R-R-O-R, and it's translated by a guy, some French name that I can't say, uh, Francis Wauwau, and so uh, I'm sure that's it. You can Google it. Um, But it's a Greek scholar guy, uh, so it's similar to like a passion deal, but he specialized, I guess, in Greek. I don't know. And so it's seeing a lot of the same things. And the problem with the lots of, not the problem, you know, I'll say it that way. The interesting thing with lots of our translations is just like any, like in a word in English, we can say something. And we know culturally it carries, I'm saying one thing, but I'm also, I mean this, 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 and this, as well as I'm saying this thing. And so a lot of our translations, they just picked one of those real definitively. And then we just kind of forgot about all the cultural implications and all the, the things that they may have been communicating within that deal. And so that's why I love these kind of these paraphrases, because they really bring back in some of the holistic understanding of the language. And so it's more of a you know, full picture of what that person was probably saying in that context. And so mirror translation is not the whole Bible. The guy's still working on it, but it's been really, really awesome. So that's what I want to read out of all of this tonight. So I'll tell you where the references are so you can go look them up uh, later on in your study, but it's not going to look the same exactly. And I've been going through and you know, like picking apart because I love, you know, reading a scripture that has all the, like the, the, well, this is an interlinear Bible where it looks at the definitions and the Hebrew and the Greek. And so I love reading through all those. And it's cool because I go, I went and looked at some of these and you're like finding it all in there. And so I'd like to read this um, over us and it'll be Romans 6. And it's just super, super amazing. And this is just who we are. So I thought, you know, I could try to preach it. But this is such a fresh like way of saying it. So I just preach the word and just talk here. Uh, and it's really good. So starting at verse 1. It is not possible to interpret grace as a cheap excuse to live in sin. It sounds to some that we are saying, let's carry on sinning then so that grace may abound. How ridiculous is that? How can we be dead and alive to sin at the same time? How can you be dead and alive to sin? So I'm not just, I'm going to read something to you. I thought about not even telling you it was the Bible at first, but no, I throw people off. So, because I don't want it to hit like, that's a, that's why I love new translations. It hits you different. How ridiculous is that? How can we be dead and alive to sin at the same time? What are we saying then in baptism if we are not declaring that we understand our union with Christ in his death? Baptism pictures how we were co-buried together with Christ in his death. And then it powerfully illustrates how in God's mind we were then co-raised with Christ into a new lifestyle. 
We were like seeds planted together in the same soil to be co-quickened to life. If we were then included in his death, we are equally included in his resurrection. We perceive that our old lifestyle was co-crucified together with him. This concludes that the vehicle that accommodated sin in us was scrapped and rendered entirely useless. Our slavery to sin has come to an end. Let's read that little thing again. We, uh, we perceive that our old lifestyle before Christ was co-crucified together with him. So it's dead. This concludes that the vehicle that accommodated sin within us was scrapped and rendered entirely useless. Our slavery to sin has come to an end. If nothing else stops you from doing something wrong, death certainly does. Faith sees us as joined in his death and alive with him in his resurrection. It is plain for all to see that death lost its dominion over Christ in his resurrection. We don't have a problem believing that. He need not ever die again to prove a further point. His appointment with death was once off. As far as sin is concerned, he is dead. The reason for his death was to take away the sin of the world. His life now exhibits our union with the life of God. This reasoning is equally relevant to you. Calculate the cross. There can only be one logical conclusion. He died your death. That means that you died to sin and you are now alive to God. Sin consciousness can never again feature in your future. You are in Christ Jesus. His Lordship is the authority of this union. Read that one again. The reasoning is equally relevant to you. Calculate the cross. There can only be one logical conclusion. He died your death. That means that you died to sin. That means that you are now alive to God. Sin consciousness can never again feature in your future. You are in Christ Jesus. His Lordship is the authority of this union. You are under no obligation to sin. It has no further rights to dominate your dead, declared body. Therefore, let it not entice you to obey its lusts. Do not let the members of your body lie around loose and unguarded in the vicinity of unrighteousness where sin can seize it and use it as a destructive weapon against you. Rather, place yourself in readiness to God like someone resurrected from the dead and present your whole person as a weapon of righteousness. Sin was your master while the law was your measure. Now grace rules. Being under grace is not and not under the law most certainly does not mean that you now have a license to sin as much as you once gave permission to sin to trap you in its spiral of spiritual death and enslave you to its dictates. The obedience that faith ignites now introduces a new rule, rightness with God. To this, we willingly yield ourselves. The, the content of teaching that your heart has embraced has a new standard to become a pattern of your life. The grace of God ended sin's dominance. Sin once called the shots and not righteousness rules. 
I want to say this as plainly as possible. You willingly offered your faculties to obey sin. You stained your body with unclean acts, and you allowed lawlessness to gain supremacy in all of your conduct. In exactly the same way, I now encourage you to present your faculties in person to the supremacy of righteousness, to find unrestricted expression in your lifestyle. You were sin's slaves without an obligation to righteousness. I know you are now embarrassed about the things that you used to do with your body. I mean, was it worth it? What reward, what reward or return did you get but spiritual death? Sin is like a cul-de-sac. Consider your life now. There are no outstanding debts. You owe sin nothing. A life bonded to God yields the sacred expression of his character and completes in your experience what life was always meant to be. The reward of the law is death and the gift of grace is life. The bottom line is this. Sin employs you like a soldier for its cause and rewards you with death. But God gifts you with the highest quality of life, all wrapped up in Christ Jesus, our leader. Amen. It was Romans 6. We can go home. I've been reading that over and over and over and over. Uh, and it's, just, it's so powerful. Obviously, it's so good. And the implications of it are, are incredible. And so that's just the backdrop. We'll probably come back to that. Honestly, that's not where I want to go. Because there's lots of implications of, of that. That you died to Christ as a believer. Or you died in Christ. And he died for you. And you are now alive in him. No longer to die again. Never having to pay the cost or the price that he paid. There's some pretty awesome implications uh, in that reality uh, that we'll explore for sure. And that's where I thought it was going to go. So I kind of had some stuff in that direction. Um, and, and I'd love to do that. But uh, so I just want to go kind of back into Romans a little bit. And so this is who we are. But I know probably like myself as if we were reading that. It's just like, yeah, but not all the time does that look like, does my life look like that? Like, yes, never have to do sin again. And then like, but today there was like five times, you know. And so I just want to back up before I start talking about how wonderful it is and like no one has to deal with sin anymore. And so this is our spiritual reality. Romans 6 is a, is a current, for believers, a current spiritual reality that Jesus has paid the price for your sin that you died with him, that he died your death, that you rose again in him. He's already risen again. You're not waiting on something. He's already risen. You're risen in him. Um, and you are absolutely, completely free. You know, sin nothing. Uh, but why do we still, why are we still where we are? That's what I want to talk about tonight. Because I think it'd be easy to everyone go, yeah. And everyone kind of around you thinking like, but this isn't really true. <laughs> Um, and so, you know what I mean? Like, it's real awesome to get excited about it, but I know what I deal with and I know you deal with your stuff as well. And so it's kind of, let's just step back. You know, what do we do with sin as a person who's free from sin, as a person who owes sin, nothing, who, who just in the same way has the same authority over death and hell and the grave as Jesus has, uh, where's the disconnect, you know, because we have stuff in our life. And again, this is all going to come out of this different translation, so I'll give you the reference here. But Romans 1, 6, I thought summed this up really interesting. We're talking about an expression, an image, an identity 
And so the issue, the issue of our spiritual reality and the outworking of it coming into our soul and into our flesh, there's a gap there. You know, what happened, what Jesus did in Romans 6 is immediate, is immediate spiritual reality for us. But we still have to work that into our life and we still have to grow in maturity and sonship with him to bring that reality. It's, it's heaven. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I feel like the Lord wants to take Romans 6 and say this, that that's how we pray. Let your kingdom come, like in Romans 6, let your will be done, like Romans 6, where it's a spiritual reality in heaven. And we need to bring it down and manifest it in our lives here. Because it's available to us, but it's not a guarantee. Like it's a spirit, current spiritual reality that all believers possess. But you could go through your life and die without ever making heaven a reality on earth Romans 6 true here it'll be it's true there it's true with him it's true in your spirit but working it out in your life and so Romans 1 6 most of this will come from Romans 1 after this this uh, translation says in Jesus Christ you individually discover who you are and that's that's what Romans 6 was as Jesus is first John 1 4 I believe as Jesus is so are you in this earth in this world um and so this, you know, it's in him. And so he's our expression. He's our image. He's the one that we're looking to. Um, but we have this, we have this disconnect. Uh, Romans 1, 18, God's passionate persuasion is uncovered from heaven's perspective in sharp contrast to the foolishness of people who suppress and conceal the truth about their redeemed innocence while they continue to embrace an inferior reference of themselves, and that's really where I want to go this evening. Sin in our life, in this pattern, this 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 old man is an inferior uh, reference to ourselves. I read that here again because I know it's wordy. So we're looking at an image. We're looking at uh, who are you, and so it's Romans six, the truth. But who are you, and who do you see yourself as? Because this is just as important. God's passionate persuasion, Romans one eighteen. God's passionate persuasion is uncovered from heaven's perspective in sharp contrast to the foolishness of people who suppress and conceal the truth about their redeemed innocence while they continue to embrace an inferior reference of themselves or an inferior image of themselves. And so I think this is really an identity crisis. It's really an image uh, crisis in our lives, and we need to get straight who we are before him. This is what we're talking about. So this is spiritual reality. We need to bring that into this. We need to recalibrate and re probably replace a lot of the way that we see ourselves. But we're going to deal with this sin thing because he set us free. He's broken us away from the law of sin and death. Um, and, and, and that's 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 who we are in him. <clears throat> And the disconnect, it comes from not comes from lack of relationship. Ah. It does. It comes from a lack of relationship. It comes from lack of intimacy. But the enemy's cunning and he's smart and he understands what he's doing. And so inside of us, he has come in with lies and with seeds and and sown in uh, to to our belief and our understanding about ourselves uh, and, and, it's a, and it's a lie and, and these things can be broken off 
with each other, you know, in this type of thing, in one-to-one -one relationship and communicating with each other the truth about who we are. Uh, but it ultimately comes, and it will come quickly uh, with, with intimacy and relationship with the Father, with really, really, really knowing Him. And so this is nothing about working up anything, but it's like the more you know Him and the more you're intimate with Him and, and, and the more you grab hold of Him and look at Him, your image becomes, becomes His image. So I just want to, uh, I know it's a lot of, it's a lot of scripture here, but uh, it's just so different and it just, it sounds new and it sounds so different. So I'd like to read this one other chunk to you um, and it explains this and I just want to get into uh, how to deal with these things practically. Romans 1, 21. <clears throat> Yet mankind only knew him in a philosophical, religious way, from a distance, and failed to give him credit as God. Their taking him for granted and lack of gratitude veiled him from them. From them. I just want to read this stuff. I mean, it's just, I've been asking the Lord, this is not condemnation, but just let me see uh, this pattern. Because I read to you who you were first. Romans 6 is who you are. Now, what you may see and hear are patterns, uh, cycles of sin. And so don't get them confused. You are not this, but you can have these cycles inside. And that's, that's some of what we want to deal with. You're Romans 6, but these, if you recognize them in your life, they're not who you are, but they're cycles. They became absorbed in useless debates and discussions, which further darkened their understanding about themselves. Their wise conclusions only proved folly. Their losing sight of God made them lose sight of who they really were. In their calculation, the image and likeness of God became reduced to a corrupt and distorted pattern of themselves. Suddenly, like a person who has more in common with creepy crawly things than with their original blueprint, it seems like God abandoned humanity to be swept along by the lusts of their own hearts, to abuse and defile themselves. Their most personal possession, their own bodies, became worthless public property. Truth suppressed became twisted truth. Instead of embracing their maker as their authentic identity, they prepared or they preferred the deception of a distorted image of their own making religiously giving their affection and worship to it. The true God is the blessed God of all the ages. He is not defined by our devotion or indifference. So by being confused about their maker, they became confused about themselves, which led to all manner of sin. And he and Paul specifically talks here about sexual sin. So the men and women alike became inflamed with unnatural and perverted sexual attractions laboring with intense striving, pursuing the illusion of a distorted image, only to receive within themselves an inferior estimate of themselves. Their indifference veiled God from them. Uh, and so this is an image, this is a what we're looking at and what, what we're beholding problem. And so I just wanted to hope separate out who we are and yet acknowledge and deal with the cycles that continue to allow sin to exist in our lives, and, and, and specifically um, the repetitive, uh, ongoing sins that we continue 
to struggle and to deal with. And this is the hope. So this is where we'll land. Romans 2.4 Do not underestimate God's kindness. The wealth of his benevolence and his resolute refusal to let go of us is because he continues to hear the echo of his likeness in us. Thus his patient passion is to shepherd everyone into a radical mind shift. And in most standard translations are talking about his kindness that leads us into repentance. Yeah. Romans 2, 4, I'll just read it again. Do not underestimate God's kindness. The wealth of his benevolence and his resolute refusal to let go of us because he continues to hear the echo of his likeness in us. Thus his patient passion is to shepherd everyone into a radical mind shift or into repentance. So I just want to look. Repentance is not what we thought it was. Repentance has much less to do with your sin than it does to do with how you uh, think and how you process and how where you are in your own mind whenever you look at yourself or look at the Father. And so I just want to even look at the word repentance there. Uh, and he, he, he translates it into a radical mind shift. And so the word is metanoa, and it doesn't even matter how you spell it. Um, but it's combined of two words, meta and noah. Meta means together with or along with. And noah means, uh, N-O-I-A, means a thought or a mind. And so in the context of Romans 2-4, when he's talking about repentance and everywhere else in the New Testament, when it's talking about repentance, even John, um, John the Baptist, it means to be together with God's mind. Or like he says, a radical mind shift. That the Lord's bringing us into a place where we would actually realize his thoughts toward us. And so I just want to look at the idea now. Because I believe the Lord in true repentance is flipping the script on the enemy. And he's using what the truly using what the enemy meant for evil. And he's causing it to work for our good. If we would understand what it is. And so sin... I, I want to be careful because this is even what uh, Paul is talking about. Um, sin can become a weapon in our growth in intimacy with the Lord. Mm -hmm. don't, that doesn't mean go make new sin. I'm talking about the existing things. <laughs> and so we're not creating more for the Lord to work with. Uh, that's not okay. But there's stuff inside of us. There's cycles inside of us. And we're going to tonight look at how you take those cycles, how you take sin, and you turn it into intimacy and turn it into nearness with the Lord. And so if it's a mind shift, then what do we do with sin? Uh, you know, uh, Satan, demons, our own selves, our own religious junk uh, condemns us. And, and what they try to do is when they see sin in our lives, they'll say something like, you know, ha, look, like there's sin in your life. Uh, God hates sin. I thought you were a Christian. Uh, by the way, demons will tell you all kinds of things about God. Um, they'll tell you all kinds of things about the scripture. They'll tell you all kinds of things about everything. Um, and they sound a lot like our thoughts lots of times. So they'll say, I thought you were a Christian. And I didn't know if you know this, but in the Bible, God says he hates sin. And so God hates you. And it's, it's that, that's obviously pretty obvious, but it's a lot more subtle than that sometimes. And sometimes it is just that obvious. Um, and so they're coming in and, and, and spouting this junk. Sometimes our, we ourselves, they don't, 
some people are so good at doing it themselves they don't even bother you know some christians it's just like oh demons are like they're good they got it <laughs> we'll go on to this person over here um it's because we've so uh listened to them and so listened to religion and listened to uh, immaturity and listen to uh, shame and condemnation. Uh, we've listened to doctrines of demons, the traditions of men, more than the heart of the Father, so much that we now believe uh, demons and we believe traditions over what the Lord would say about us. We walk around in condemnation and shame when Jesus has already judged sin, He's already judged death, and He's already pronounced life and redemption over you. And he's redeemed you from those things, never to go back. And so I just want to look at a process to help us as we're walking through these things. Uh, these moments of sin when they're revealed in our lives. And I'm talking about like biblical terms, omission or commission. Something you did or something you didn't do. Something you meant to do or something you didn't even know was wrong. Something, you know, it's all these issues. Um... There was, a, there was a commentary, in, uh, a sentence in here, and I, I forgot to pull it out. But it's saying something about sin is just doing anything outside of what the Lord desires for us. Or it's any outworking or it's any action that's outside of his nature flowing from the inside of us. So like we think sin like homosexuality or shooting someone in the head. And God sees sin as any mixture inside of our life that's not flowing from him and so the standards pretty high but he called us to it you know he called in, in Romans 6 and so many other places he's saying you're dead to sin you're alive to him it's possible and we can do this and so what to do when when sin comes up when moments of sin maybe you know you're not supposed to do that and you do it or maybe you're just before the Lord because uh, as as we mature in him it stops being so much I shouldn't do it, I shouldn't do it, I shouldn't do it. Oh, I did it. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Those things happen, but those become less and less. And if you're in those cycles, I'm telling you, as you walk and you mature, as you stay connected to the side of the Lord, those things do become less and less. And it starts honing in, and it starts getting smaller, and it starts getting... And so what it looks like is you're just sitting before the Lord. You're like, oh, God, I love you. You're so amazing. And he's like, yeah, thanks. I love you, too. And he's like, hey, have you ever thought about this? You're like, oh, gosh. And that's a lot of what it starts. He starts going deep. And it's not, it's all, it, it sounds like that. It sounds like love. It sounds like relationship. It sounds like a good father. Just like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. I love you so much, Jonathan. Have you ever thought about this thing? You're like, oh. So whatever that's looking like for you, it's all sin. <laughs> but so just this is not a, this is kind of just a flow of what I feel like. He's saying it and hope to encourage us. We see sin and however it came, and then godly sorrow comes um, in our lives. That's where most people stop this process and start another process. And the other process looks like sin comes whatever way, godly sorrow is produced in our life, and then we immediately get on a condemnation, shame, merry-go-round of how terrible this is, how terrible I am, how stuck and junk I am. It's again, and it's again, and it's again. And so if you've ever felt, raise your hand if you've ever felt some kind of cycle of shame like that, any at all. Yeah, it's everybody. 
by the way. And so that this first step is the same. Sin comes, God always saw us produce, but we're going to not go off that. And we're going to look at this cycle here. So the first thing that we do is we bring it into the light. We say, and this is how you do it, Father, look, here is sin. <laughs> he knows. He saw it. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yep, I know. But this is the first step. This is what sons do. This is what Romans 6 people do. This is what we all should be doing. The first thing we do when we see sin is, Father, sin, look, it's here. We bring it in the light. And then guess what he says? Listen to this. He says something like, don't worry about it. That's already been judged. Sin has been judged to death, and you have been judged to life. That's, his, that's always his response. That's the only response to us bringing sin into the light. Because you're dead to it. You know, he does not see you and sin connected. He sees Jesus who's dead to sin. And so when we bring something to him, it's not even a part. It's not a part of us. It's not connected to us. But we know it's inside of us. And it's been inside of us the whole time. Like maybe it's been inside of us for 30 or 40 or 50 years. And we know we've been doing this thing the whole time. And then he reveals it in some way. When it's kindness, somehow we, we realize it. And we think, I was evil the whole time. Like, and he's like, no, you are Romans 6. You're dead to sin. And in his kindness, he just reveals stuff through relationship. Because look, if he came and just revealed all of your sin right now in your heart, you would probably die. Because it's not great. <laughs> and he's okay with that. He loves us because he's about relationship. He's already done the real work. He's already done. It's a reality in the spirit. But he's interested in relationship. So he's not going to crush us, but in intimacy, he's going to reveal things out from us. And he'll let us experience our own consequences for our own outworkings of sin. Because yes. there's always a way out. There's always a way of escape. He's always speaking to us before we do something. He's always showing us how. And it's, he's okay with letting us go around mountains and making the same choices. And, you know, he doesn't get angry and he doesn't quit or give up on us. Yeah. But he right. says his loving kindness endures forever right. and so if you're breathing he's still enduring right. and and honestly even if you're you stop breathing as a believer um you don't he still paid that price he, it's still a spiritual reality that we get to step into the only thing we miss is the outworking of it here we miss the intimacy and the gifts that he wants to give now and they're different than what he'll give then and so will we do miss out on stuff if we don't ever deal with these things, but it's all relationship and it's all beautiful, uh, tender, loving uh, communion with him. And so he says, don't worry that sin's already been judged. You've already been judged. We're all, the church is terrified and petrified of judgment for some insane reason, because we've already been judged. We've already stood beneath the blood. We've already been co-raised again with Jesus. We're dead in our sin. We're alive in Christ. You've already been judged. The only judging that comes after this is, is rewards um, and what we did with what we were given. There's a judgment seat for believers for that, but it's what did you do with what you were given? It's not how much did you sin and are you still going to go to hell? And then this crazy thing happens after he says that. 
he then, I just watched The Matrix, and I love that movie. And so he jacks. <laughs> Someone just, everybody's just getting delivered and set free. Yeah, Brian, he just got whacked. Then he jacks you into his heart. And I literally saw, like, I don't know if you've seen that movie, maybe you're a better Christian than me, but there's this long, like, plug, and there's this hole in the back of their head, and they get to go in the whatever, I'm not going to go there, but they, whoop, and they stick this, like, big, long plug in the back of their head and jack them into another system. And so when we do that, he, like, poof, he jacks us in to his heart. And when I, when I saw that, I was like, that is weird. We know Kung Fu. We know Kung Fu. Whoa. I know Kung Fu. This is the best movie ever. Um, this crazy thing happens. We bring sin to his feet. And then next thing we know, bam, we get jacked into his heart. And we get, I said this way, every time we do that, we get new access to his heart that we never had before. Because we brought a gift. You know, it's not sin. Sin, you know, whatever, get, it's already done. But we brought vulnerability. We brought maybe hurt. We brought woundedness. We brought, I'm not sure. We brought, I don't know what to do. We brought a gift to the Lord. So every time there's sin, we expose it to the light. We bring it to him. He, he confirms to us that we're good. And then, bam, we get access into his heart that we've never had before. And it's weird because this is all about a mind change. So he's given us a radical mind shift. That's what repentance is. So, so why do you put us into your heart before you give us a mind shift? Because we're still working. This is still a process of repentance. But it's interesting. If you want the mind of Christ, you can't have the mind of Christ without the heart. You can't have the mind of God without the heart of God. Because mm -hmm. the abundance out of the mouth, the you know, abundance of the heart comes out of the mouth. It comes out of how you think. It comes out. So we, we can't just get our thinking shifted until we get our heart shifting and when you get into his heart then your heart's going in there with him and then you're getting all messed up in his heart and you're getting all kinds of new stuff and you're swirling around in his love and his affection for you you're shifting all around your heart's all in his heart and it's good you should go there um, and then you get access to his mind and he brings you in to this deal so the other so i don't know what you guys think about all this kind of stuff but i was praying the other day you know, I found and just I was just I just found myself in another place if you want to say it that way I was falling I was like well, almost like skydiving I thought man this is amazing and I just falling and falling and, and I had the thought like when's the ground coming you know because when you're falling and it's like don't worry about it and so I just I just sat but it's like you couldn't even hear wind it was just like perfect still and you're like am I falling you're like no I know I'm falling but it feels like there's no resistance so it's just, remember, like, turning around, almost, you know, like fly around, almost like if you were uh, skydiving. And then it was just, like, going backwards with your back to the what would be the ground. And then just perfect rest and perfect peace and perfect quiet. And I thought, man, what is this place? Like, what is this? And he says, the quiet of my heart. You know, that's what it's like to be in the quiet of his heart. It's, it's like weight, perfect weightlessness. It's perfect rest. And it's absolutely still and quiet and this cool deal happened i knew yeah. it was coming that i was going into i was going to splash in the water and so 
you know, you're following what's terminal velocity in God's heart. I don't know. You're following really fast. Uh, that's the things I think of, I think about. <laughs> it's probably not, you know, 9.3 meters per second, but I don't know. So, boom, hit the water, you know, hit what this is and go deep, deep, deep. And I have a fear of deep water. Um, even in video games, totally freaks me out. Not interested, forget about it. You know, it was all in that Mario, Super Mario game on the, in the 64, in the water, just like, I hate the water levels, I don't like it. And so I, boom, go deep in this water. And I immediately feel the same deal. Like what, my questions, there are big things in water. And what is in water? You know, what is it, where, what is in this? Yeah, Jaws. The other day, I saw this, yeah, I told Rachel. It's like a drive up movie, but it's on a beach and you're all in your floaties in the water. And the movie screen's on the beach and they were watching Jaws. I'm like, forget about it. <laughs> There'd be so much, you know, peeing in the water. That's what I'm saying. Anyways, has nothing to do with this. So I fall, I'm in this deal and I said, what is this? Because I had to almost like work through anxiety because it's deep. Like I went deep and then it's like you hit those currents and poof, and then you're off. You're like, well, so I, I was even like, literally having the deal and it's like, okay, Lord, <laughs> anxiety of like being in this deep thing. And, uh, and so once we, we dealt with that, again, that piece is there. So, you know, what is this? And it's like, it's still his heart, but it was in his blood. It was just like endless oceans of, of, you know, his provision is what for us. So, uh, like I said, his heart's an amazing place. Uh, you should definitely go there. I, but he wants to give us access through his heart into his mind. But, and, and it's really cool. You get to go between those two. Why? From his heart to his mind, because you came boldly before a throne of grace. And there's this idea that that I've experienced, and maybe you guys have as well, that we can't have the thoughts of God, and we can't have the mind of God, and that we can't have his ways. Because uh, Isaiah 55 says, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, as high as heavens are from the earth, so my ways are above your ways, and so my thoughts are above your thoughts. Uh, and that was kind of like a, a binding up thing for me for a long time, because it keeps us you know, push down. It keeps us, you can't understand him. But at the same time, Romans 6 is telling me, and other places in the word are telling me, I'm alive in him. That where he is, I am. What he does, I do. And what he's like, I'm like. And so I, you know, how or do I justify when you tell me over here, I can't have your thoughts, I can't have your ways. But over here, you tell me to co-labor with you and to work with you and to create with you and to be with you where you are and to do all these amazing things. How am I supposed, you know, Tell me what's going on here. And it was really, really, really cool that uh, so many of these prophets, it even says angels, so many of the, the ones that lived uh, before Jesus have looked into our day longing to be there. So the prophets saw grace. They saw the Holy Spirit. They saw Calvary. And they said, dang it, I wish I could be there. And they wanted it so bad. There were some that even tapped into it and lived from there. Abraham lived from this understanding back then. David lived here even back then. There were those who tapped in and who, and who were able to live in faith 
uh, David said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. No one had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come upon people. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon people for a time. But he said, don't take them from me. Because he, he lived in another time. He lived in our time. He lived in our time. The Holy Spirit, the fullness of God dwells on the inside of us. So it changes little things. And so it's okay to read the word with the Lord. And read the fullness of the word. Because he was saying in that time, you can't have my ways and you can't have my thoughts. You can, but let me tell you this. It's going to take eternity, which is a really long time, if you didn't know, as we discover his thoughts and his ways. And so he's invited us up into experiencing him, having his thoughts, having his mind. Our ways are like his ways, but we don't just, you can, we tap into it and we actually live in his thoughts. And we live in his ways and we live in his mind, but we will spend all eternity discovering that. The fullness of that. It says even the spirit searches the deep things of God. God's searching himself out. God's looking and going, whoa, that's so amazing. You know, we will be doing that for a really, really long time. But it's the access. You know, it's the access that's different. We have full access to him, to his thoughts, to his ways, to his ideas, to his reality to his love, to blah, 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 we go and go and go. You have full access into engaging with him now and not waiting for some other time, some other place. That's the difference. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus opened up and made available to us. And, you know, we need to know that. We need to believe that. So he's not just asking, he's not just inviting us to experience his heart, but to have his heart. He's not just inviting us into his mind, but to have his mind. You know, we have the mind of Christ, which is the mind of the Father, which is what Isaiah was talking about. So when you take Isaiah 55 and you take something like John 15 and you mar marry those together, you get a full understanding of what you have access to now. So I said this way, Isaiah 55, we already talked about that. John 15, I no longer call you servants or slaves, but I call you friends. For servants or slaves don't know what's going on in the Father's house, but you do. Because I've invited you into that deal. So intimacy, relationship, vulnerability opens up the doors for us to live now in the heart, the mind, the ways of God. And so this isn't a formula. This is a relationship. This isn't beating down the door. This is he opens up the door. He knocks on the door of first love and we step into it. So we're in his heart and he gives us access to his mind. And then, and then in this place in his mind... You get a metamorphosis of thinking. So I've read a whole bunch of stuff just about like butterflies and you know all that kind of deal, and it's crazy. And so you should go look at that. There's lots of good stuff the word kind of mirrors in that. But you get a metamorphosis of thinking. You get a divine perspective. You get God's thoughts, and all of this is accessible through the door of first love, through intimacy, and through vulnerability. And then I didn't get the reference, but I think it's. Ephesians 4, but it's in Ephesians where it talks about then now you have this thing and he takes you through a process of a radical thinking shift from your thoughts to his thoughts. And remember, we're all this is all coming back to this individual issue of sin and wherever that's coming from. This isn't sin globally, even though it's true, but we deal issue by issue. We deal area of our life by area of our life. And so all this is still just in that response to that one time that we came and said, in this area, this thing happened, and here you go. 
And so he gives us a new way of thinking, uh, not just not just about that area, but he does. He shifts how we think about that area. He shifts that place that still had given sin rights. So even though there's a spiritual reality, there's still places in our lives that we partner with the enemy. We partner with sin, and then it gives sin and death right into that area of our life. And so what this does is it takes all that away. Just as a side note, there are... Um, no, 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 no. I'll do that. I'll do that in a second. So we get a metamorphosis of thinking in this area, but also who we are. So it's in the, in the specific area of the sin related to the sin that you brought. And then it continues to be you as Elijah, you as Rachel, you as an individual, um, as a whole. Because he's interested in a holistic deal. And so the more, and so here's the deal. The more we do it, the faster it goes. Because when we do it with one thing, then it gives us an, a new understanding about that one thing. And then it'll give you an understanding about three other things. And you're like, oh man. And then you take three other things and it becomes, what do they call it? Not, not just multiplication, but yeah, like factor by factors, you know, that's what they say. Like if, if you, if you did a factor, it'd be like, if I told, if I talk, preach the gospel of Bobby, Bobby got saved, it's saying like 24 hours, everybody could, because when you do factors, so it's not just two times two times two, but it's like two times four times blah, 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 blah. And so it just grows. So when we do this in our life, First one, get three more, bring three, get 28 more, bring 20, you know what I'm saying? And then it's, and it's fast and fast and fast. And the reality and the truth is, Jesus said, be perfect as I'm perfect. Be sinless as I, sin, as, as I am sinless. Be complete as I am complete. And he does not ask you to do things that you cannot do. And there's a lie of immaturity and of brokenness that we can't walk sinless. And I'm just, I'm not. But he wouldn't ask us to do something that's not. You can walk in such a level with him. Like we know someone that's talked before about people that for days have gone days without sinning. And so I, I don't know how far, there's no lid, there's no cap on this stuff. This isn't the endless process you have to do every day of your life until you go die. And then because death is more powerful than Jesus, then you get to be perfect. But all this stuff's available to us now. And He's going to continue to heal and stuff. He's going to continue to make you more like him. Uh, but this, it's going deeper and it's going deeper. And it gets fewer and it gets fewer. And we're going to walk. But your sons will walk in a measure of sustained holiness, purity, perfection. Because your father is holiness. He's purity. He's glory. He's perfection. So now you get this mindset. And then we have this thing called the fruit of repentance. And I was like, Lord, what is the fruit of repentance? Uh, John talks about it when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him. He said, who are you, you brood of vipers, blah, blah, blah. Go um, walk, live uh, in, repent in repentance that produces fruit of repentance in your life. And I just felt like the word is not even profound. He just said real clearly, the fruit of repentance is just using what you've got. He's just giving you seeds, if you want to put it that way. He's giving you truth. And then when you apply it, when you plant it, whenever you put it on, you know, I don't even think I got there in Ephesians. It talks about putting on your new self, taking off your old self. This is what we're doing. And we're putting on our new self. And when you do that and you partner with him, it literally will produce out of you fruit. And that's how we know we're walking in repentance, true repentance, true mind shift. 
mindsets because we're using it and it's producing out of us uh, actual measurable real substantive fruit in our life and so this isn't just internal monologue makes you feel better but doesn't ever actually do anything this produces life and so to, to just kind of um, piggyback onto that it's possible to break cycles and patterns of sin and I understand there are cycles and there are patterns of sin so I just want to give you a key I, don't, I certainly don't have time to do it you go back and if you come talk to me there's a uh, we did a session a couple weeks ago in the courtroom of God uh, and I encourage you this is on top of that this is uh, piggybacking onto that whole understanding and so if you didn't see that check that out we actually have uh, just talk to me if you didn't you want to know because we have some information in the back and connect you with with that but this is that these are this these are working together but to break cycles and patterns of sin when we sin it makes a contract in the spirit when we continually repetitively continue in that same sin we make and we continue to agree with uh, that thing we can we agree with the demonic in our lives and we essentially lengthen and strengthen a contract an agreement uh, gives demonic the demonic access to your life or to that area and maybe other areas connected to it so it's simple part of the courtroom stuff going to get a judgment from the Lord but then we break the agreements we break the contracts and it's as easy as father I break in your name and your blood every contract of sin in my life you know we need to deal with the repercussions and it's not just in faith or I break those contracts connected to that specific sin I'm praying about uh, but then we we destroy those things but then we receive from God a truth that replaces that contract so again we bring something to him and he gives us something back because if you ask for forgiveness and you go through this whole repentance deal but then in the spirit you never deal with those contracts and you're just carrying those contracts around and the enemy lay off for a second but then probably in a couple weeks he's going to look and say hmm you know i saw that jonathan did the repentance deal and he got a really good message out of it uh but he's still carrying around the authority for us to gain access into his life so let's just go see what's going on and then bam i get hit with the same thing and i think lord you're not real or you're not true or you didn't do this whole thing in my life because it's still coming with fierceness but we never dealt with the authority the place of authority we didn't finish the work basically so we break we destroy the contracts and then we ask the father to give me something to replace that contract and then this is just another principle when we sin it leaves dust in the spirit at least dust in your life it's just a residue and it's a record of sin so these things kind of tie hand in hand together it gives the demonic right back into that area because it can read the record of sin that's taken place in that area so now we're talking about not redeeming the, the ground redeeming that area inside of us and where that comes from is um, genesis 3 whenever uh, god's talking to the serpent and he banishes him to the dust of the earth and that's his authority and that's his um, his domain there and so again all we do is we ask the father to remove the dust from our lives and wash us while we're doing this business with them and it's just real easy stuff um, but there are that's the thing there's just spiritual realities that go beyond what we can always see um, and, and, and it's just this is just key stuff that really helps us 
break cycles, break generational stuff. And you can take this so much deeper than just an individual deal, but you can start redeeming and you're actually called to, supposed to redeem in your family, redeem in a, in a, in a sense of like your, your family line, like your history, what your mom and dad, what they were dealt with or, or didn't deal with. Um, and Dan's talked some about that. Some of us have talked about that before, and I know you guys have done that. But this is how we go in and acknowledge and see and ask him to show us cycles. Because when there's cycles, there's authority. You know, there's stuff I deal with on a one-off basis that's not a cycle. It hasn't, it's not generational. It's not in my blood, if you want to say it that way. And then there's stuff that's like, oh. and you can, you can actually identify cycles. Some of them are two weeks, some of them are three months, some of them are six months. Some of them are once a year, some of them are every three years. Like you, you know, ask him, he'll show you. And they're they're tricky and they're hidden. And the bigger that cycle, the more hidden it generally ends up being. But the longer ingrained it is, like in your family and in your history and in where you're coming from. So we get to redeem those things. So, um, yeah, repentance, getting a radical, radical mind shift. Um, and it's leading us into, gosh, it's leading us into such maturity, intimacy, relationship with the father and it, it and this kills every ounce of shame when it comes to us working out a truth that already exists and so you got to know who you are but you also have to work with where you're at and the point god's heart is to take who you are in the spirit and make it a full out full blown out reality in this body uh, and he can do it and he wants to do it and it's and it's all through intimacy and relationship with him so i know uh it's it's time so i would pray in uh ways if you guys have any questions feel free to ask any of us um and i'd love to connect you with that the courtroom stuff the those other messages and the resources we have because it's very helpful so father we thank you for your good news god we thank you for the gospel of jesus christ lord that informs us that lets us know that we are alive in you and we're dead to sin and we have no obligations we have no debts we have no connection back with sin and death lord and we thank you for your life and what you've done in us lord what you've done for us and what you're inviting us into and so working this out god we just ask you to come and and, and you've already been speaking to us lord but just to make clear the um the ease and the rest that repentance really is and that's not connected in any way with shame with fear with manipulation or with control uh, with condemnation but it's all grace it's rest it's just running to you it's running to our good father and so what we just ask or that you would give us a right understanding um, of who you are and what you're like as a good father that you are loving and you're patient and you're kind and that you like us and that you desire relationship with us Lord and you see us fully without condemnation and without disappointment and without anger but you see us through the eyes of love because when we were still sinners you loved us and you died for us that you made a way for us to run to you so how could we not run to you you already knew you had already seen it and your your desire for us is freedom your desire for us is 
to be as close to you as we could possibly be, and then tomorrow to go even closer, and then the next day to go even closer still. So we just thank you for your Holy Spirit confirming this and working out these issues in our lives, Lord, because you're so good and you just want us to see who you are, Lord, and you want us to be where you are because you enjoy us, you like us, you want to be with us where we are. And we love you. And let it happen this week, Lord. Incredible growth in you, incredible intimacy, closeness, nearness, Lord, that we would see you and be transformed and changed like we've never been before. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about our community, please visit our website at eastgatetx.org.